0: Welcome to the St. Matthew's Episcopal Church Worship Podcast. My name is Maggie Nancaro, and I am the Interim Rector at St. Matthew's. St. Matt's is a neighborhood church with a worldwide community in St. Paul, Minnesota. This coming Sunday, we're glad to welcome Dave McEachran back to St. Matthew's as our preacher. Our text this week comes from Luke, Chapter 9. You can find the text on lectionarypage.net or at a link in the show notes. I will open us in prayer, read the gospel for us, and then you'll hear audio from the sermon as it was preached on Sunday. Finally, I'll guide us in prayer to conclude our time together. Let's settle in then, and create a space in this busy day for God's presence. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the holy mountain, grant to us that we, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. This is the Gospel according to Luke. Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from a cloud, the voice came and said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and in those days told no one of any of the things they had seen. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please be seated. I love the Transfiguration. It's such a rich story in the Gospels. It's part of why I was so excited to preach today. It's also really influential in uh, Eastern Orthodox spirituality, which has really moved me a lot. Uh, The difficult part of preaching today with an orthodox theme is, like many of you, I'm anxious. Uh, We we come together today in the midst of war in Ukraine, and I'm anxious about the wider implications of that conflict, but also heartbroken for the innocent lives that will be lost and traumatized forever. Again, my love of orthodox thought and history makes this especially heart-wrenching, Especially as I remember the roots of Orthodox Christianity in the East, which spread from Byzantium to the Kievan Rus in 988. Russia and Ukraine share so much history, especially over a thousand years of Christian faith. I won't dwell on that, but I need to acknowledge the difficulty of this today. Central to Orthodox spirituality is a discussion of divine light founded especially here in the Transfiguration. So I would like us to consider the icon of the Transfiguration I've asked Lars to put in the bulletin. You can see it there. We see of course Moses and Elijah on each side of Jesus, we see the three disciples each having quite different responses to Jesus. As Dave Colwell pointed out, looking at a different version of this icon, this is not a particularly inviting mountain. It's rocky and difficult to climb. I'm reminded, too, in Orthodox spirituality, the purpose of an icon uh, is not to represent the historical event alone. You'll see them, that Peter, for instance, is quite old, and Moses is rather young, if you can look at it. Unlike the West, the Orthodox see these icons as almost a window into heaven, a window to eternity. So as I continue to reflect on the passage, consider noticing how this icon represents that eternal moment. Now this image of light is central to our passage, but what do we do with this? C.S. Lewis in a reflection on it was talking about light shining from some of the saints and pointed out he was not particularly interested in being some sort of divine light bulb. That image didn't really move him very much. But in Hebrew, light and glory are closely connected with beauty shining forth. There's a sense that being close to God includes a sort of reflective luminosity of glowing with light. And we see that, of course, in our passage from Exodus, the glowing brightness from Moses' encounter with God. That requires Moses to cover his face at certain times because of the glory of his appearance, and it's almost frightening to the people. This man in the story has encountered God, and there is no doubt of that. Other parts of Exodus describe God's presence as a cloud or pillar of fire leading the people of Israel. So the imagery in the Gospels of Jesus ascending the mountain to be with God and God appearing and speaking out of the cloud is evocative of many, many Old Testament themes. Consider, too, our psalm. Moses and Aaron are his priests in verse 6. The pillar of cloud in verse 7. Worship on the holy mountain in verse 9. There is so much to this passage and this story. We can't go into all of it. But what is the purpose of glory, light, and beauty? Before COVID hit, uh, there was a gathering of Episcopalians at St. Christopher's. A St. Thomas professor of theology, uh, Mark McEnroy, attends St. John, the evangelist. He is a mentor and friend. I've had him for a professor a few times. He spoke. Now, he primarily studies Theological aesthetics, the nature of beauty within a Christian theological context. And he went on to philosophize for a long time, and we all got somewhat confused. He talked about uh, Plato and Aquinas uh, and a 20th century theologian, Hans Urs von Balthasar. And I've taken his advice that if you want to name drop a theologian, it might as well be someone with a name like Hans Urs von Balthasar. There's some, there's some meat there. Don't worry, I'm not going to go t- too philosophical or theological. Uh, but Dr. McEnroy's question was around some of these big concepts in philosophy. And picture these words with capital letters, goodness, being, truth, and often you may know beauty is added to that list, but w- What is beauty, or in this case, glory, light for? What does it add to goodness or truth? Dr. McEnroy gave this sense that goodness, being, truth are out there and objective. And I think that is true to a certain extent in art. The beauty is there in that work of art, but it is also in the people that are drawn to it. A a beautiful painting arrests our attention. It brings us close and draws us in. So a lot of theologians will talk about the beauty of God is God's shining forth and bringing us to God. But it does this not by force, but by love and by longing the medieval poet Dante who i love speaks of god as the prime mover again a little philosophical but not like aristotle who kind of who pushes things rather right at the end of the divine comedy if you're familiar dante has this vision and experience of god that breaks the rational mind's capacity for understanding but moves us into the deep love of god for dante And this is the end of the Divine Comedy, God is the love that moves the sun and the other stars. And contrary to how some have understood God in Christianity, I believe that deepest Christian vision is one that affirms our own human individuality, our integrity as people and as creatures of God, And it is true we are dependent on God, but not in a way that lessens us or diminishes our integrity. But we are drawn to God by God's beauty. You could almost say, and many have, wooed by God into loving relationship. And for Dante, that love that moves the sun is not pushing it, but drawing it to God. And so what is the character of that beauty or the glory of God in scripture. We get hints of it here in Luke. Moses and Elijah appear to Jesus, not just to chat about random things, but to speak about Jesus' departure. I hear echoes of his exodus, right, with all the Mosaic implications. In the structure of chapter 9 of Luke, Jesus has just told about his coming death, suffering, and then resurrection. And the book of Luke, um, chapter 9 of the book of Luke, is a turning point in the gospel. After our passage, the first half has been Jesus in Galilee preaching and spreading his message and healing. But then in verse 51, a little bit after our passage, when the day, Luke says, when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up onto the cross, he set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers ahead of him. Jesus turns his face to the cross and begins the journey. And the rest of the gospel, another ten chapters, are Jesus traveling to Jerusalem for the sake of the crucifixion. So the glory of the transfiguration is always pointing to the cross. The gospel of John brings these two together in a slightly different way. John does not include the transfiguration, I'd say oddly enough, since John loves that language of light, etc. However, any reference in the Gospel of John to Jesus' glorification being lifted up, and uh, Jesus says drawing all people to himself, that is identified with the crucifixion directly. Jesus is lifted up solely on the cross in the Gospel of John. And this, I think, is one of the themes of the Transfiguration. It highlights the dimension of God's character uh, that can be obscured in our our love for straightforwardly beautiful expressions of God's presence. It's hard not to remember that many Christians, uh, maybe especially Episcopalians, love beautiful architecture and music. And I want to affirm that But we also need to remember that God's beauty is God's going out, coming into our world, joining with us in suffering, sin, and death. God enters into that reality with us, submitting to it on our behalf and breaking through, overpowering death in resurrection and life. And the beauty and glory of God is revealed in those who likewise follow that way of the cross, which, as our presiding bishop is fond of saying, is the way of Jesus, which is the way of love. Now, how does all this philosophy and theology connect with our lives? As you may know, Ash Wednesday, the start of Lent, is this week. I think it's fascinating and really profound that the lectionary places this glorious, amazing event, the Transfiguration, on the last Sunday before Lent. I think there's a deep wisdom there. As mentioned, this chapter of Luke recounting the Transfiguration is full of references to Jesus' coming crucifixion. And Jesus sets his face for a journey to Jerusalem, almost like a showdown with evil and death. And he begins that long journey to Jerusalem. And I think that is why this is set before Lent. Lent, as we may know, is a season of penance, of repentance, and often of fasting. But I want us to remember that any setting aside comes for the sake of taking something up or offering a gift to others. The original intent of Fish Fridays wasn't an excuse to have a huge meal of fish and chips and then fall asleep because you ate so much. That's not the purpose. I'm probably going to do it, but that wasn't the original purpose. The purpose is as we set certain things aside or take a break from them for the sake of the deeper beauty and love that grows in the silence and quiet that arises. The disciples climb the mountain, not simply for a good workout, but as an image of the sort of joyful discipline that leads to deeper love of God, vision of God, and love for others. So as we consider what Lent might look like, I'd offer a focus that we focus on the truly beautiful in our lives, on God's glory there. What might make us slow down and notice what God is doing? Here's an example from my life recently. I had just finished an Old Testament course at seminary. We'd been discussing the Jewish festivals, right, which are very tied to uh, the cycles of the moon. And I walked out of the classroom building, and there was a, a clear night, and the crescent moon was just shining brightly and beautifully up in the sky. It was, again, it arrested my vision and my attention. Now bear with me because I'm pretty sure I'm not a polytheist. But the beauty of the moon struck me and I could understand why ancient peoples like the Greeks considered the goddess Artemis there in the moon. I think it was revealing something about the transcendent presence of God through this created world. And that happened through the beauty that pierced me. And made me just want to stop and stare for a little at the moon. So this is part of what I think Lent is calling us to and what the beauty of God reflected in the world is there to accomplish, to slow us down, to open us to God's movement in the world. Perhaps we take one less episode of a show, Perhaps we take on a simple prayer practice in a more regular way. Perhaps we turn off the radio in the car or have a simpler meal to slow down and enjoy and notice God. These small things change our perspective and help us to wake up a little like the disciples needed in this passage. So as I finish, I wonder What would you like to pick up, what practice, or what might you need to set aside to slow down and notice God's beauty, God's glory in the world?
0: As we close our time of reflection and wondering, I invite you to pray with me. O Lord, guard and direct your church in the way of unity, service, and praise. Give to all nations an awareness of the human family. We pray especially for the people of Ukraine, Russia, and all countries in Eastern Europe as they navigate escalating conflict. Cleanse our hearts of prejudice and selfishness and inspire us to hunger and thirst for what is right. Teach us to use your creation for your greater praise, that all may share the good things that you provide. Set free all who are bound by illness, fear, or despair. Grant a peaceful end and eternal rest to all who are dying, and your comfort to those who mourn. All these things we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today and for gathering in our dispersed church to pray and learn from Scripture. I look forward to seeing you when we can. And in the meantime, I will leave you with this blessing to hold you in the coming week. May the blessing of the God of Moses and Miriam and of Jesus, born of our sister Mary, and of the Holy Spirit, who broods over the world as a mother over her children, be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.